Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we have two People speaking with us today, one is Norbert Orr. Norbert is a senior correspondent with us for Global Surveys. He follows 18 global PMI, which is Purchasing Managers Index Surveys, all over the world, and we'll be talking to him in the first segment. That will be followed up by a segment with Chad Moutre, who is the Chief Economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. Chad is going to be talking to us about both his Monday morning report and his Thursday global economic report. So, we're kind of taking a look at the world as we know it and the economy and as it relates to manufacturing. Before we get to our guest, I'd like to speak with my co-host, Lou Weiss, president of All Metals and Forge Group, the sponsor for the show. Lou, what's happening with last week's show and news at the moment? Well, it's been an exciting couple of weeks. Uh, manufacturing Day was a big event uh, last week uh, throughout the country. There was altogether 2,655 country, companies that participated not only in 50 states, but uh, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Canada. This is just another way, I guess, of them sneaking across the border. But I didn't say that. Uh, it, uh, it was a great show. Uh, and we went, uh, we were down at uh, New Jersey MEP at the, in Somerset, New Jersey, at the Palace uh, Business Center. And we managed to, uh, uh, we videoed the entire uh, uh, keynote speeches and the intro speeches, and we also was, were able to have nine um, uh, interviews with participants there, including uh, the Lieutenant Governor, Kim Guardano, uh, of the state of New Jersey, who was an uh, absolutely terrific speaker. And uh, I hear a little rumor that she might be running for governor. Um that could be a problem, though, in New Jersey, being a democratic state. But we'll see what happens. She's a nice lady. She um, might do better than our present company. <laughs> so that being said, uh, we also uh, interviewed with the um, manufacturer of the year in New Jersey, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, uh, Bob Krill. And uh, he is the vice president of the Cape Cod Beer Brewery, and they make something like 120 different flavors. They only sell to the state of New Jersey, and uh, he's been working at it for five years and was awarded this uh, distinguished uh, honor of being the manufacturer of the year in the state of New Jersey. So uh, you might uh, enjoy uh, listening to some of these uh, interviews. We also did interview about six students, uh, high school and junior high school students, who have decided to take a career path instead of running up a couple of hundred thousand dollars in college bills and having to live with mommy and daddy when they when you were all uh, done. So that was uh, that was a, a bit uh, exciting. As far as uh, our today's uh, news item, uh, and this this was terrific because. It seems as though that, uh, and we're going to we, we're going to hear more about it with our uh, distinguished guests uh, today, and we also have two for next week's show on a global basis uh, about what's going on in the world of manufacturing and uh, this uh, news item in particular. The Cutting Tool Market Report came out that was issued by the U.S. Cutting Tool in Institute and uh, the Association for Manufacturing Technology that in August, and they don't, they're kind of slow at getting their numbers out. They just got it out a couple of days ago. The August number was 19.2% increase. That's huge. That puts us ahead for the year. And um, for those of you who don't know, and I'll explain to the audience, that the cutting tool numbers, uh, is a leading indicator in our economy. Uh, what we're doing today in terms of cutting tool uh, uh, 
parts and equipment and so on uh, is a precursor for what's coming three, four, five, six months down the road. So a 19% increase uh, is huge, and that's on top of the fact that the ISM number also came out with a uh, very good number of uh, 51.5. In my mind, that puts it out of the guess who department, and over 50, I, I, that's where I think that we are uh, heading upwards. That being said, Tim? In this segment, we're speaking with Norbert Orr, our senior correspondent, who follows 18 global purchasing manager index surveys all over the world. A fascinating study to see what the rest of the economies are doing in Europe and Asia as compared to the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Norbert, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you. Always well, glad to have you on. Where would you like to start, Norbert? Well, uh, I think domestically there's always a lot of interest in what's happening with our economy, and then maybe we can take a look around the globe a little bit and see what some others are doing. Uh, September was uh, an upbeat month compared to August. Uh, it looks like to me that uh, August really struggled from an employment standpoint. It was very soft in uh, both manufacturing and non-manufacturing during the month, and that kind of drove – uh, weaker performance in uh, in the month of August. Uh, the the good news is when you're measuring month over month change, uh, if you have a down month, uh, hopefully and things start to move up, they move up fairly strong in doing that. So uh, the manufacturing index went from 49.4 in August to 51.5 in September. Uh, the non-manufacturing index. Uh, went from 51.4 to 57.1, and, and that, that's really the the key ingredient right now in the economy is the non-manufacturing, uh, because that's the source of jobs. So uh, we, we saw a, a good recovery in September. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't look for it to be a lot stronger in uh, October. Maybe not quite as strong as September was, but. Uh, uh, certainly a, a positive. Uh, we, uh, Norbert, this, uh, we did notice uh, uh, the month of October has really gotten stronger in our metal business that we have. And interestingly enough, there seems to be one day in particular where all of a sudden everything turns around, and that day was today. And that was uh, with all of the holidays and uh September, everyone's coming back from uh, vacations, and they stop talking about vacations. And there's all of a sudden just one day where all of a sudden the parking lot of the uh, of the building that you're in or the uh, Route 80 in New Jersey all of a sudden went from no traffic to a 40-minute traffic jam, and that's like the beginning of good news. So well, that, we're we're very we're very optimistic. That's certainly encouraging, Lou, and of course I'm sure you've been through this a number of times, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, you're seeing all the right signs that uh, that can carry forward. Uh, you know, the, the concern I have is not, not whether we can stay on the level that we're at right now. It's it's how do we uh, manage at some point to get to the next level uh, without growth. Uh, you know, in uh, uh, historically. For manufacturing to grow in the uh, overall economy, we have to have above 2% growth in GDP. Right. And so that's why we've gone through six quarters right now without any significant growth in manufacturing. Uh, re revenues are pretty constant. Uh, harder. The problem is it also gets harder to maintain profitability uh, on a level because you're either going up or you're going down. It's... it's uh, uh, too difficult to to maintain uh, a set level as far as uh, manufacturing is concerned. Right, right. I think that uh, once this uh, election uh, madness is over, uh, we may start to see people uh, chilling out and looking to get back to business and be less frightened about what's going going on or going to happen. Well, I hope you're right. Usually, elections don't resolve uncertainty, uh, and 
this one may create more uncertainty than uh, uh, than anything else. Uh, the, the the whole uh, uh, after the election, uh, we, we got a period of time when no matter what the plan is, it's going to take a while to implement whatever plan that is. Uh, we're at the point where we've seen, and I know you you talked to a number of economists. We're at the point where we've seen. Uh, we've done as much about as much with with uh, monetary policy as it's possible to do uh, in order to to stimulate the economy. Uh, the next step uh, may be physical stimulus, uh, but uh, I, I'm afraid the same people that are suggesting that monetary policy was the answer are also the same ones that are telling us. Well, we, we ran uh, ran out of bullets, uh, so we're going to try physical stimulus. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure that uh, they're going to be any more knowledgeable than they were previously. Not likely. <laughs> Norbert, I want to touch on one point that you made about employment being soft in August. And I see some of the uh, projected hiring numbers for the holiday season coming up, the most startling one is Amazon.com looking to hire 120,000 people for the holiday season, twice what they brought on last year. Yeah, uh, good luck with that, huh? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, To do that, uh, uh, I heard one of the uh, Chinese firms was able to hire 1,500 industrial engineers in three weeks. Uh, that's almost uh, uh, comparable if you consider the amount of specialization from an industrial engineer versus just the broad array of skills that would be involved in 100,000 and bringing those in. Uh, You know, Amazon does some pretty amazing things, and uh, uh, they're, they're so highly automated, I don't know what they would do with that many people. Uh, if, if, if they brought them in, they've spent uh, just so much money automating their warehouses and uh, the whole system that uh, I can't imagine. But uh, wish them well with uh, with doing that. Uh, but those are all temporary jobs. Those won't be there in January and February, and they want to make sure they they get the uh, sales while they have the opportunity to do that. And uh, uh, so it's going to be a a challenge afterwards to maintain uh, because we still don't see investment manufacturers and non-manufacturers both are shying away from uh, expanding uh, their business because they don't sense that their market is expanding. Uh, You know, we've made a nice recovery in housing, but – uh, it's still not anywhere close to where we were. We were at 1.6 million units uh, single family uh, prior to uh, the Great Recession. Now we're at uh, 1 million to 1.1 million and pretty much staying at that level. The home builders, uh, I believe, don't want, want, they, they want to make sure that they do not uh, – uh, create a, a too big of a backlog that uh, and create too big of an inventory uh, that they have to worry about whether they're going to be able to liquidate at some point. Yeah, I think that's true. So if uh, the United States is kind of slugging along dead level here, uh, how are Canada and Mexico doing by way of comparison? Well, Canada uh, is – has gone through a slump, and they finally come out of uh, uh, come out of that slump. Uh, while Mexico uh, has been uh, pretty consistent uh, up up until August, uh, pretty consistent with their growth in the 52-53 range. Uh, they fell to 50.9 in August, and then back to. Um, 51.9 in October, so it seems like they've gotten past the, uh, uh, the the toughest point anyway with all of that, and uh, uh, hopefully they can continue. They are highly dependent upon us, uh, particularly from an automotive standpoint, that uh, both Canada and Mexico benefit greatly from that uh, uh, and look to us for the for the leadership in that. Yeah, I understand now it's uh, more and more in Mexico. They're a 
assembling sub-assemblies to come back and go into larger assemblies or finished parts than they are producing from start to finish. And you're right, they're very dependent on us. Right. And that's big, much more dollar value added to the product that they're they're doing, and of course that helps their economy. Um, and you know we can't play a zero sum game with Canada and Mexico. We can't. It can't be we win they lose. Uh, it's got to be we all win together uh, because of. Uh, uh, the relationship and, uh, you know, the, the more uh, growth we can see in, in, uh, in Mexico in particular, the, the, the less of an immigration problem and so on that we have. Other, other issues associated with it, and uh, I don't want to see manufacturing move to Mexico when it can be done here, but uh, uh, we, it, it takes a balance and, and uh, uh uh, well, I'm sticking my foot in my mouth. Probably, it, 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 it takes it, it takes it takes a balance of uh, uh, of uh, having our neighbors do reasonably well as we do well. Yeah, your statistic that the GDP has got to be around two percent or better for manufacturing to actually grow is uh, really rather intriguing. Yes, and th that's. Uh, that relationship applies to an awful lot of industries, particularly consumer industries, so that GDP generally grows from improvements in output and uh, uh, population. And we're still doing okay on the population side. We haven't been doing it in terms of output. Uh, and so we, we've got to have a focus that, that comes there. There's got to be uh, some some change and, and I like uh, I like lose today's the day uh, <laughs> that that would be uh, that would be fantastic if uh, if we see a step change in the supply demand balance uh, Norbert I'm sorry go ahead Tim I was going to have Norbert walk us through uh, Asia from north to south particularly starting with North Korea I'm just wondering what kind of an impact all the noise that's going on with North Korea in terms of missile tests are deflating economic hopes over there, if they are at all? Uh, I, I think they had all of their problems before they started firing missiles. Uh, uh, South Korea has, uh, has been slow. Japan has been uh, slow for a long time. Um uh, uh, Australia is in decline, uh, so you have all three of those spread over a wide area of, of uh, Asia and Asia Pacific. Uh, the the one uh, standout has been Taiwan, which their PMI this past month was at 56.5, uh, and that's a really strong number. And Taiwan, I helped them put their survey together. And, and so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, where we have 18 manufacturing industries, the way we break out uh, our, our GDP in the U.S., they have six industries. Now, there's some consolidation, so it's not to say there's 12 industries that they're missing. Uh, they, they may have it in some other category, very minorly or whatever, but their major categories uh, uh, have, have done uh, really well. And it really, I always call it the semiconductor survey. If semiconductors are going well, Taiwan is doing well. It's kind of like the steel uh, in many uh, economies and so on. The semiconductor is uh, uh, a good measure of what's happening in terms of manufacturing activity and investment. It might might be good if I take a minute and just talk about uh, uh, some of the other surveys in the U.S. and what they're doing and what I think the implications of those are and uh, encourage people to, to take a look at some of these surveys from time to time to do that. Okay. Obviously, the uh, ISM National Survey uh, is uh, one that people ought to be paying attention to in terms of manufacturing. The uh, but there's some others that I think are, are important. Uh, one that always tops the list in terms of the press is the Chicago PMI 
or Chicago Business Barometer is what they call it, but it's a PMI. And that was up from 51.5 to 54.2 this past month, so uh, made a nice gain. The, the problem I have with Chicago is they combine manufacturing and non-manufacturing. So uh, when you get a nice increase like we got this past month, I don't know whether that was manufacturing that picked up or non-manufacturing. I would say, based on what the uh, national surveys have done, probably was more in the non-manufacturing area than it was in manufacturing. Another survey I like to look at is Southeast Michigan. Uh, Southeast Michigan uh, actually fell six points this past month, which uh, makes you, uh, if you don't have any other information, it would make you concerned. The good news is it was at 66 and it fell to 60.2. Um, so uh, southeast Michigan is going quite strong. Good in evidence that the overall uh, auto industry is uh, continuing quite strong. Uh, another survey that I like is uh, Western Washington, and uh, I, I uh, always call this the Boeing survey. Uh, I don't know I don't know who participates, but. Uh, I understand Boeing has 200 suppliers in the Pacific Northwest, so I assume that there has to be a big influence of the aircraft industry and so on in doing that. Uh, that's much softer recently, and, and I think the reason it's soft is because uh, people aren't placing more orders for airplanes. Well, Boeing can be five to seven years out on on aircraft right now, so it's not as uh, not as much concern when we look at that. Uh, I was in Houston this past week, and they have a survey that they do, uh, and it bottomed at uh, 43.2, uh, 43.8 in um, July, and has worked its way up to um, 46 and then 48.5. So Houston, the whole uh, energy market, I think, they feel like things have bottomed now and that they're on a slow trajectory upward uh, and looking better than uh, than certainly things did. Uh, there's not an industry that's better able to deal with the types of problems that they've had in the petroleum industry. They've done it a number of times, and uh, they just start again and uh, and, and rebuild and uh and go back with it, but it seemed like they were much more upbeat in Houston than uh, than I've seen recently. Um, the other two surveys, uh, one is the uh, Philly Fed survey, and it uh, waiting on it to come in. It, it doesn't come out till the 20th of the month. Waiting for that, and the Empire, which comes out uh, actually uh, today. Uh, so uh, we'll see how, how things are looking in those areas. I would expect them to be consistent with the overall uh, domestic uh, readings and yeah. so on. Norbert, I'd like to go back uh, a moment or so uh, back to Texas, which is a uh, very strong uh, uh, market for all metals and forge group. Uh, with their their number of uh, 51.2 uh, on your uh, scattergram, uh, Brent uh, certainly a lot of it has to do with the fact that oil has picked up significantly. Uh, and, you know, Brent Brent crude today was 51 and change, and uh, West Texas was 49.5 today. So, and several of the drillers have opened up more of their closed rigs within the last week or 10 days. This is all very good news, uh, you know, for, for Texas and for those who are supplying the, uh, you know, the Texas uh, supply chain as we do. And we ourselves have seen a significant increase in terms of uh, replacement parts, maintenance, and uh, not so much new rigs, but there's always maintenance going on and uh, we're beginning to see a, a pickup in that. Great, great. And you know, one one of the things, just expanding a little bit further on Texas, uh, you've got uh, 
San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas, which are all are all in the top ten in terms of population. So you, you've got a huge economy today in Texas. Uh, and then you've got Austin, which is uh, probably uh, the fastest growing city, if not if not the fastest, one of the fastest uh, uh, going right now. So uh, that, that economy with a, a little bit of firmness in oil pricing can come back very quickly. If, if we mm -hmm. don't see the firmness in oil pricing, it, it is, as you know, Lou, it's going to get uh, uh, drawn out uh, significantly. Sure, sure. I'm optimistic. Well, I, th I think we have two choices, and uh, the optimistic path is probably uh, <laughs> probably the better one, though. I, I would like to see some things right now happening that would uh, would push upward. Uh, you know, small business continues to to grow, but it's very very shallow growth compared to what uh, what we see in most recoveries. Uh, we'll see, you know, what the solution is when it comes time to look at fiscal. Uh, my, my problem with infrastructure projects that everybody talks about is infrastructure projects have a beginning and an end. Uh, <laughs> manufacturing uh, uh, jobs and so on, uh, if, if it's a good business, can be very long term. And so a much better solution uh, in, in the long run, if we have job creation that uh, is sustainable. What about uh, Europe, Norbert? How are they faring uh, with Brexit at hand and, you know, just general recovery? Because you know, some of those countries have not just been in the malaise, they've been in the toilet. Yeah, I was just reading a report, uh, Tim, on uh, the currency exchange and so on, and, and the whole purpose of the report was to say, Yes, pound sterling has lost a lot of value, but it was losing that before Brexit. And so it was going to go through a correction either way, at least in the opinion of this one writer. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, I personally, I, I think in the short term it's going to be painful for the U.K., but in the long term, it's probably going to be a positive because they're going to control their own destiny completely with, uh, with regard to their economy, with regard to their defense, with regard to their borders. Uh, it's been a sovereign nation uh, for many years, and uh, uh, I think will will function better that way. The real challenge is going to be what happens to the others, and I'm I'm convinced that the uh, that the others don't have the same choice the UK had because they don't have a currency and uh, I just can't imagine trying to create a currency from scratch uh, but yet, Scotland or Ireland or whether Scotland well. Ireland Italy principally Italy and uh, <coughs> France those are the two that are large enough uh, but I, I did some. I, I did my own uh, market survey, and I asked some friends of mine that were visiting last week from England. I said, "Okay, if the pound sterling devalues and French wine costs a lot more money, are the Brits going to quit drinking French wine?" And so they just drink more me, beer. They assured so just, me so that, more beer. that that relationship was uh, immutable. <laughs> um, anything else um, that's particularly interesting in the last month or so in these surveys that you observe, either you know Asia, Europe, or the U.S. that or North America that we should well, be aware? Well, we, we didn't talk. We didn't talk specifically about China. And as you know, there's two surveys coming out of China. One of them is the CFLP, and it was at 50.4 and has averaged uh, 50.1 for the last half year. Uh, the other survey is the Kaishin, and it includes multinationals, which the other survey does not, and uh, it's averaged 49.6 for the, for the last year. Uh, so there just hasn't been hardly any movement at all, any change at all. China claims they're uh, running at a 6.3% growth rate in GDP. 
they've been persistent uh, about that. Uh, I, I know one thing that GDP is probably the hardest thing for any country to measure. And so right. uh, if politically you want it to be stronger than it is uh, in in the right uh, uh, environment, uh, it, it could be that number. Uh, there is more variability in the uh, Kaishin survey uh, because it has multinationals in it, and uh, I, I see more happening there. I, I just uh, can concern when we we don't see any more change. But if I go across the globe, we're not seeing huge amounts of uh, huge amounts of change. Uh, this uh, in this year, uh, you know, uh, right. looks like the PMI, uh, the, uh, the U.S. PMI has averaged 50.9 for the first nine months, and uh, it won't average much more or much less than that for the next uh, three months. So it's going to be uh, a, a year of muted growth. And one where uh, hopefully we set the stage for a, a little more recovery next year. Yeah, we certainly won't see a, a, a 2.0 or better GDP this year. Uh, no, Norbert, thank I, you for joining us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We always enjoy having you with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Norbert. We've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is our senior correspondent following uh, Actually, it's more than 18 global surveys. You heard him talk about a number of surveys in the U.S., and he also follows fascinating information. We hope you uh, come back to the show and listen to it again. There was a lot of information here to follow up on. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to be speaking with Chad Lutre, who's chief economist of the National Association of Manufacturers. You happen to be a member of that association. Uh, Chad Lutre is also your chief economist. That's really the job that he's doing is to help uh, all of the members of the NAM understand what's going on in the economy. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're speaking with Chad Moutre, who's the chief economist with the National Association of Manufacturers. For those of you who may not be members of the National Association of Manufacturers, we would certainly encourage you to become a member because not only is... Chad, the chief economist of the NAM, he is also the chief economist for those companies who are members of the NAM who can't afford a chief economist, along with some of the very other high-powered people they have at NAM. Chad, welcome back to the show. So I guess I have a lot of employers then, I guess, if, if I'm the chief <laughs> economist for all of them. <clears throat> That's always sure. nice. Um, Chad, uh, you uh, really talk about two reports. Uh, one is your Monday morning report. And the other is your uh, global survey report that comes out on Thursday. It came out, I guess, last Thursday. Mm -hmm. Why don't you walk us through the Monday morning report so far for this week? So, you know, last week, one of the things that, that uh, I think we, we've been really looking at is consumer spending. So, you know, consumers actually have been a, a relative bright spot in the economy, uh, believe it or not. I mean, I, I think there's still a sense that uh, that, that, that overall consumers are holding back a little bit from, from – uh, what they could be spending, but right. you, know, you just go back to the second quarter. Um, you know, G GDP would have been 2.9 percent if it was just consumer spending. So, uh, oh, wow. and, and instead we had only 1.4. So, the, you know, the real drags on GDP in the second quarter were primarily business investment and, and inventory spending. And I think we we talked about that I think on the last show. Uh, 
But in, in the last week, what we got was retail sales numbers as well as consumer confidence. And you know, like a lot of numbers, we've seen uh, retail sales uh, pretty weak in August, but they bounced back uh, decently in September. Uh, and, and we've seen you know modest growth overall in terms of overall retail spending, you know, roughly three percent. Uh, year over year, so so that's that's a positive sign. Although, as I noted earlier, I think there's still a sense that consumers holding back a little bit. Um, not unlike the industrial production numbers, uh, which we can talk about it perhaps in the, in the next question. Um, the other thing that came out uh, last week uh, was consumer confidence, and we have two really you know, there's two distinct surveys on consumer confidence. One is from the University of Michigan, the other is from the Conference Board, and you've seen the two most recent numbers uh, of those uh, actually move in two different directions. Uh, yes. Yeah. Hello. We were gonna we we're gonna ask you about those because that yeah. is quite a we thought it was quite an interesting divergence. Yeah. So yeah, the conference board number uh, was actually uh, you know we're almost up to our pre-recessionary our post-recessionary high. So you saw that one really bounced back pretty strongly in September, and yet the the October the preliminary October reading for the University of Michigan actually fell. Uh, and so we're at a 12-month low. Uh, so you know you have one at an eight-year high and, and the other at a 12 a 12 month low. You know it really I think speaks to you know just a lot of volatility amongst consumers right now. I think uh, the University of Michigan report in particular highlighted some concerns amongst Americans making less than seventy-five thousand uh, dollars, and uh, and I think that you see that that kind of political element as well that people are anxious about the election um, and, and uh, that I think is showing up in the surveys. Why do you think uh, we have an election issue? <laughs> <laughs> the good the good news is that the election is only three weeks away, so uh, maybe 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 after after that we'll we'll see that uh, political uncertainty a word kind of drop off the radar a little bit. But but for right now, it it, it definitely uh, it, you know I think it's definitely causing quite a bit of. Of, of, a, of a challenge, you know, we've seen it in our other surveys as well. Um, the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business, had political uh, political climate being a, a top issue for those companies that weren't willing to expand and so, or weren't able to expand. So, I think that has really come up in a, in a lot of uh, reports lately. Chad, do you think that some of this uh, political hysteria uh, has more to do with hysteria and psychological issues than reality? I think so. I mean, I think you know, just the constant drumbeat in the news of uh, uh, kind of the tabloidness. I think of this this election, but just in in, in general, I think uh, the rhetoric. I think you know, we talked about this. I think in some of the more recent yeah. shows, from a from a business perspective, uh, I think the conversation about trade, uh, about some of the tax and regulations uh, that we've seen uh, bantied on on the on the campaign trail. That those are those are all, I think, issues that. Uh, concern manufacturing leaders, and, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, for, from the consumer standpoint, it's obviously affecting consumer spending. But I think from a business standpoint, it's affecting investment a little bit. Now, how about your Thursday? Uh, uh, I guess it's a monthly a global uh, That's right. economic survey. How is that looking? Uh, you know, we're always watching what's happening in Europe, what's happening in the, the Pacific Rim countries to see how it might affect or not affect us. What is your survey showing, Chad? So there's, you know, there's a couple, a couple storylines I think to note in the global report. Um, I try to be glass half full wherever I can, uh, and so, you know, we actually had a couple, couple countries that had contracted in the previous report um, and 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 were expanding a little bit in this one. The most notable of that is China. So China actually expanded really for the first time in a year and a half. Um, Expanded, of course, has to have a huge asterisk after it because its PMI number, its Purchasing Managers Index number, was 50.1. So, some might call that stagnant, uh, but but at least it was above 50. Uh, and and you know, in general, I think the storyline with China is it continues to be that they're decelerating in their growth. Um, look for 6.6 percent or so growth this year, uh, something closer to 6 percent next year. Uh, but at least it, it seems like you know you know earlier in the year I think uh, China posed one of the bigger risks I think uh, to to the economy I think some of that has waned a little bit they still are going to continue to slow but uh, they are a lot less um, uh, of, of a headache than they were say in January or February the other big kind of interesting storyline that's out there has to do with uh, the United Kingdom uh, and uh, you know obviously in the post Brexit world. Um, 
you know, there was a lot of worries certainly in the in the July data. The PMI number for 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 Britain was actually contracting in July post that vote, that June 23rd vote. But it actually has bounced back the last couple months, and you had a pretty strong reading uh, for manufacturing activity in in September. Now, granted, that survey was conducted before Theresa May made her decision about filing the Article Article 50 next year. And since then, of course, the pound has fallen pretty dramatically, and in fact, it's fallen to levels that we haven't seen since May uh, 1985. Um, so those numbers could shift a little bit, I think, moving in to the October. So I look, we'll, be, we'll be looking for that. Uh, the other thing I think we'll be looking at is certainly the U.K. is going to be slowing a little bit uh, from where they are now. How does that affect Europe? How does that affect the overall global economy? So far, most, at least according to most of the numbers we have now, which obviously are, are, have a bit of a lag to them, uh, people are mostly brushing off Brexit concerns, um, although in the last week certainly those, those pound uh, changes uh, are pretty significant. Uh, closer to home, you know, our largest trading partner had been seeing some signs of, of stabilization earlier in the year, but Canada has slowed a little bit in the last couple months, and so that's something obviously for us to watch as well. Uh, and you know, all of this really matters because you know, manufacturing goods exports so far year to date are down a little bit more than seven percent. And so, you know, we need each of those markets to grow. Um, uh, we certainly need uh, some, some better better news from abroad than what we've seen. Um, but again, some weakness abroad, plus the you know the fact that the dollars appreciated about twenty percent have really hit a lot of domestic manufacturers pretty hard. Uh, Chad, do you think that the uh, XM Bank issue, where they're not fully uh, authorized to loan uh, monies in excess of $10 million, is having any uh, positive or negative effect on uh, the U.S. economy? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think I mean, we continue to hear uh, that because the XM Bank does not have a quorum, uh, that, that uh, you know, uh, companies certainly are losing out on some business. Um, from that, uh, we of course, as you know, it's a huge priority for us to to let the to, to, to give the XM Bank that quorum. Uh, we've been certainly pushing in that as much as we can. Uh, it's being held back, obviously, by one senator, uh, and hopefully we can move move beyond that. I think we talked about this on the last last show as well. Uh, right. We had a huge win for XM last year when we did get it reauthorized, and yet it's not able to operate to its fullest extent until we get that quorum. And so. Um, Hopefully that's something that can get resolved quickly because you know a lot of our members are uh, really clamoring for the need to have those loans approved, and, and in lieu of that, obviously business isn't isn't gonna uh, isn't gonna happen for all of those companies, or they're gonna look for other alternatives. Well, let me just continue the point. Uh, one more question: uh, We all know who the one senator is, and uh, the point is, uh, what what is Nam? doing now to offset the negative effect of one individual? Well, I, mean, I know, I think, you, we know I think you're up at the Capitol all the time. I think, I think the, the, the thing that we're trying to do the most is just you know, make sure that, that, that the word is out, that, that people realize that not having a quorum is having, some de is having detrimental effects for a lot of manufacturers, both small and large. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think you know, making sure that, that that message is heard across the aisle. Um, uh, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, either in a in a lame duck environment or sometime after that, we can get this resolved as quickly as possible. Certainly, I think it's something that we were hoping for in a CR, but I think maybe at this point, something uh, in that lame duck session can really resolve that issue. What happened with that CR? I'm, I'm not fully up to that. Well, we did get a continuing resolution until December, uh, but but uh, obviously the quorum was not part of that. Right. Okay. Okay. Chad, so. in terms of uh, your Monday morning report, is one of the few reports that I see where the employment figures in manufacturing are actually tabulated, and we get a sense of what's happening. And of course, for the year, I think to date we're down 58,000 jobs in manufacturing. So, although employment overall in the country is at 5% unemployment, what they call full employment, that's not the case in manufacturing, but my question really is seasonal hiring that is coming up. And I'm seeing some wild numbers such as Amazon.com looking to hire 120,000 seasonal workers this year. Now, Walmart has not announced their numbers yet that I know of. Seems like some huge numbers for this upcoming holiday season. 
Well, I think you know the prospects. I know I, I've seen the numbers from the National Retail Federation that they're that they're calling for uh, a, a pretty good holiday sales. Although I think they called for good holiday sales last year. Uh, so I mean, so I mean, I, in, in the case of Amazon and, and Walmart, you know, obviously when you're looking at uh, you know the, the Thanksgiving holiday season and a lot of shopping that takes place there, both on on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. They're certainly ramping up pretty pretty extensively for that. So hopefully that's a sign that holiday sales uh, do pick up this year. Um, again, we'll be past some of that political craziness, so maybe that'll help overall consumer confidence. Um, I think that, you know the one thing that that might hold that back is that there, there still tends to also be a lot of economic anxiety out there. Uh, but but uh, but in in general, I think the news that that, that those companies are, are hiring uh, is a good thing. Uh, although to be fair, uh, you know, in retail, that's often a zero-sum game, and so if one company is doing a lot of seasonal hiring, that probably means that they expect to take some business away from someone else. Uh, so, so, uh, and and in that case, it's probably probably true. Um, on the job front, though, just to, just to kind of go back to your comment, yes, we've lost you know, 58,000 workers so far this year. I think manufacturers uh, are con are continuing to be quite cautious overall. Uh, you know, we got new uh, manufacturing production numbers, uh, and uh, overall manufacturing production jumped 0.2% uh, in, in in September. I shouldn't use the word jumps there, but they did come back from a, from a decline in in August. Uh, but when you look at it on a year-over-year -year basis, manufacturing production is essentially stagnant. It has not grown over the last 12 months, and so that's a large part, I think, why companies are 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 really. Uh, anxious about the economy, you've seen some. Certainly, many of them are making cost control, you know, cuts wherever they can. Uh, and you know, certainly, I think uh, there's a hesitance to to add new workers or to, to to do capital spending until some of those concerns are are eased a bit. Uh, uh, on the positive side, and we mentioned this in, in the Monday report this week, is job openings in general have uh, have been relatively strong. They pulled back a little bit in in August, but uh, in general. That's a sign, I think, that uh, overall hiring could pick up once demand and, and, produ and production picks up. Uh, overall, you know, uh, I'm not quite sure yet, and I think Lou and I look at each other puzzled, and as we talk to other people on manufacturing talk radio, everybody's a bit puzzled because uh, everybody's in a cautious optimism mode, and I'm not sure that you break out of that until you see a 2% or better GDP. Yeah. I mean, are we just kind of stuck in uh, the doldrums here until the winds pick up? You know, my forecast for this year is is 1.6% for GDP. Next year, it's it's right now it's two, uh, so it's not calling for more than two, but roughly 2% growth. So we are we are kind of stuck in that new normal, at least for right now. Uh, you know, my sense, uh, you know, I, I've never been someone who is a secular stagnationist, so I actually think we can do better than 2%. Now, whether we'll get to three and a half or four, like some candidates have suggested, I don't know. But I do think we can do better than two. Uh, and uh, I think certainly putting some policies in place, really kind of lifting this kind of lull that a lot of folks have over their heads in terms of, you know, I think in, in many ways people are holding back on a lot of cash right now. And so if that psyche shifts in any way, I think we can really certainly see a lot more growth than what we're experiencing right now. Chad, when was the last time that we saw a 3-4% GDP? 2005 was the last time we had GDP over over uh, 3 3% or yeah. better. Yeah. Right, right. I say it's a decade back, so I yeah. you know, somewhere in the next decade we ought to see it again. Well, you know, we've averaged, uh, yeah, I think we've averaged 2.2% growth since the recession. We averaged 2.7% growth. Uh, in the earlier part of the 2000s, from 2002 to 2007. So we certainly have seen decelerated growth, and, and unfortunately, if we're 1.6 this year, that's slower than the average that we've seen from 2010 to 2015. The good news is that it's growth. The good news is that it's growth. I, I have, uh, we've had this entire conversation, and I have not used the R word once. So, uh, um, <laughs> we, we don't uh, want to talk about that. Yeah, so that's, so that's obviously and, – and obviously my forecast for next year also does not have the R word in it, so uh, at least for now. Well, that's can we good. Quote, you, you can, can we quote you on that, Chad? Yes, definitely. <laughs> you, you, you could, because we're on the internet, you could use uh, profanity, light profanity, but you cannot use the R word on manufacturing <laughs> talk radio. 
That is Jan, true. Thank you for thank you for being on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We always are very pleased to see your reports and love to have you on the show. Thanks again. Well, thanks again. Thank you, Chad. We've been speaking with Chad Moutre, who's the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers, as he talks about his uh, Monday morning report. A great report that comes out. It's a quick one-page read. gives you a great overview of what's happened the last week and a lot of references, a lot of other reports that come out during the week and during the month that affect the economy and particularly affect the manufacturing economy, along with his uh, Thursday global summary report that really kind of takes a look around the world. As I said earlier in the show, uh, next week we are having the second part of our economic report. Uh, that's the the uh, Asia, uh, U- UK, EU report. Uh, Roy Slow from France, uh, who is our senior international correspondent, and Chong Wang, who is also our senior international correspondent in China, and he will be talking about the Far East. Um, and uh, the, the numbers there are not looking quite as rosy. Uh, perhaps as the United States, but uh, they tend to trail us, and uh, hopefully that will give us some indication of what's going to be coming several months down the road. So uh, based on that, um, it's been a a good show, and we'll see you next week. And, Tim? Lou, I think that wraps us up for uh, this show of Manufacturing Talk Radio, unless there's anything additional that you want to add. No, I, I think we ought to put a uh, tweet out there. Uh, uh, Chad Moutre doesn't use the R word. And, uh, yeah, you know, get get that story out. I'm glad to hear it because it's not a word we want to use in manufacturing or for the uh, foreseeable future for like a decade. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. It should make me at about 83. <laughs> That's right. You'll be you'll be ready to head into your nineties uh, working on uh, stuff like this. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, Tim, it's uh, good, good as usual. We uh, enjoy everyone listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. If you'd like to hear the show, please go to mfgtalkradio.com. You can also hear us on iTunes. So there's a couple of places. Occasionally, we pop up on YouTube with some videos that we have shot. We did. Uh, Quite a number of those recently at uh, Manufacturing Day, which was really a week, which actually goes on all month long in October. There's a lot of videos that are coming out from Manufacturing Talk Radio. So come back to mfgtalkradio.com frequently for more information, and that takes care of us for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.